0: Brought to you by Hug House Productions. Please be advised, the content of this podcast contains violence, murder, blood, smoking, alcohol, mentions of suicide, and driving sound effects. Please do avoid listening to this in a car. We also swear a whole lot, so there's that. hey how you doing good good Uh, do you want a drink no okay cool um oh shinji said he wouldn't be there today because he's saying goodbye to asher but i figured we could still get your introduction done and oh turn your mic on though yeah and yeah feel free to take it from here really Uh, i'll shut up and you can start from whenever you want you know how did you feel what was the weather like i i don't know
1: it was raining A storm was raging at 3 a.m., back home in Haiti, and I know because my grandmother told me. Her name is Laurette, and even then her windows were still alight. But not a single lamp shone inside. Only the flames of her candles as the storm made trees and waves dance to its tempo, She was kneeling in a corner of her living room, praying to an altar, praying to a picture of me. Home was nice. Tapestries, dolls, and weird mixtures in jars used to freak me out as a child, but they soon became my own toys. Grandmother's eyes were heavy from sleepless nights, reddened by dry tears, her knees were grazed and her voice down to painful whispers. She had been doing this for days. But even as the thunder shook the foundations of her house, she kept on praying, until finally something answered. The candles were whooshed away at once and she looked up, shaking. She heard footsteps and turned around, fear and hope storming in her eyes. Who's there?
2: You tell me, child.
1: A hand hovered above the wick of a candle, and a purple flame repelled the darkness. The other wicks quickly followed, revealing... A tall black man in an impeccable suit and top hat, an ebony cane in one hand and a cigar in the other. He moved and swayed like under a spotlight, like the earth with his stage and his life of performance. And once, he was God.
2: Who did you call?
1: Baron Samdi.
2: Very few still whisper my name.
1: My grandmother kneeled back down face to the floor thank you baron thank you
2: oh don't thank me yet
1: grandmother closed her eyes a prayer for mercy in her mind until she realized how futile it was the baron smiled and she's pretty sure he heard he walked to the altar and picked up my picture
2: what do you want
1: my granddaughter baron she's very sick And she's all I have left. She bowed down again. I beg you, Baron. I beg you to save her. She's a good child. She's honored your name every day. Just like I did. Please, Baron.
2: Stand up, child. And she did. I am no god and no lord. I am a friend. And I haven't walked this earth in a very long time. A lot has changed since the old man in the sky was born.
1: He's a jealous god.
2: Also, I've heard. Most of us are gone. Some never to return. But here I stand. Thanks to you.
1: He lifted my grandmother's chin.
2: Your child will live.
1: And then he let go. Dropping my picture to the side.
2: But I ask one thing in return.
1: Anything Baron.
2: Not from you. Your child will live, but her life will be mine. And when the time comes, she will kill the priests and burn their churches. She will avenge our people or die trying.
1: To that, my grandmother smiled. We've always been fighters, Baron. She will be no exception.
2: Excellent.
1: And the deal was made. The Baron's laugh shattered the silence. Purple glow lit up in his eyes. And in a gust of wind, his body became ash, fading away. And in a hospital not too far away, I jerked in my sleep. Above me, the neons in the ceiling flickered for an instant. From white, they turned purple. And from purple, they went dark. When they came back, the Baron was sitting by my side. Cigar between his lips. He walked to the other side of the bed and casually smashed the smoke detector with his game. Then took a deep drag of his cigar. And in my induced coma, I took a deep breath He exhaled and so did I My monitor started to shut down one by one as my breathing followed his and the room grew quiet
2: Welcome back
1: I sat up dizzy but awake Last thing I could remember was lunch with grandmother on the garden table days ago as it turned out I stared at him for a little too long Not convinced I was awake yet. I said... Perrin? Where am I?
2: In hospital. Hospital? A couple more days and we would have met on the other side.
1: What happened?
2: Your grandmother has many enemies. Some with friends like me.
1: But I'm alive. He smiled and there was something so insufferable about his know-it-all, almighty grin. I could have punched him.
2: I am but a shadow of who I used to be. But I wouldn't be myself at all if I couldn't save a single child.
1: What did she offer you?
2: Your service. Which is more than fair if you ask me.
1: I'm not ready, Baron. I I can't be one of your pawns.
2: I'll be the judge of that.
1: Look at me. I'm weak, nauseous. I, I haven't walked in months. I'm not ready. Samdi threw away his cigar, and it disappeared into dust before hitting the ground.
2: I like your fire, but I did not expect your anger.
1: I know what your presence means, Baron. You should be dead, and if you're not, then the priest will soon hunt you down. And hunt me down.
2: No deal is made yet, child. I could still leave you to die.
1: And where would you go? Who on this world still has faith in your name? A few. A few. But none like me.
2: Do you wish to die?
1: No. But I've heard of other messiahs, Baron. Others whose belief was so strong they resurrected an old spirit like you. All of them gave their body and soul for their master's vengeance. And all of them died. You all think you can lead your own crusade against the old man in the sky. But you don't know how men fight anymore. And you do? I've spent my whole life waiting for this moment, baron, for a chance to avenge my people. I won't let you squander it. He leaned in and I could tell he'd gotten his attention.
2: What are your terms, child?
1: You cannot possess me. Not now, not ever. But if you give me your powers, I will get our revenge.
2: <laughs> I will give you a year.
1: A year? A year for what?
2: A year to kill the old man in the sky. But... But, but, uh, but, how? He's a god. He has an army. I'm alone. We know, child. If you want to succeed, you have to do what witches do. Find others and plot in the dark.
1: Before I could try to bargain or argue, he snapped a finger and in a blink the room changed. Heavy curtains suddenly covered the windows and a crystal chandelier was dangling from the ceiling. One was touching the ground. The Baron was sat on a velvet sofa instead of a rusty hospital chair. There were candles and jazz, faint voices and faraway laughter. It was the beginning of a ball. I looked around the room at loss for words while the Baron got up and took my hand. He tried to force me up. I tried to say. No, I, I can't. Yet I stood, for the first time in weeks.
2: Let's do it like the old tales.
1: The Baron spun around and walked backwards towards the corridor. The music outside got louder, ballroom jazz rising. I followed him out. And as soon as I stepped out of the room, I felt my gown weigh heavier on my shoulders. It tightened up my waist and deployed around my legs into a regal ball dress, colour like red wine. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever worn. The fabric felt like breeze between my fingers, its cold lace softly gleaming under the candlelight. I was no longer in a hospital. The entire corridor was dressed in colonial 19th century fashion. The ground was marble and the curtains velvet. It was all disgustingly expensive. And a crowd was gathered against the walls, forming a runway for the Baron and I to walk. They exploded in cheers as he appeared, their hands hidden by gloves and their faces by fans or hats. They were all so extravagant, but also incredibly frail. Their skin unnaturally white. And I noticed a glimpse of a face behind one of the fans. It wasn't a face at all. They were all skeletons. But the Baron didn't care. He strolled down the runway, dragging a terrified me behind him, and he boasted.
2: Three gifts for my chosen one.
1: He lifted up two skeletal women from the crowd and dropped them down to the opposite side.
2: You will have my strength.
1: He spun and dipped, hitting every beat of an insane tempo.
2: You will have my flair.
1: And then turned back to me, down on one knee to grab my hand and said,
2: And you will have my people. The dead are at your service, Lady Talia.
1: The entire court bowed to his words, right before he got up and sent me down the runway.
2: You've got it all, child. Now flaunt it, flaunt it.
1: I broke into a nervous smile, and the crowd went wild. They all loved me, praised me, venerated me, and it felt good, so good. I tried a spin, a wink, and in a second I was gone. And whoever that girl was, in that moment she drove them all mad. She laughed and whirled, danced and provoked. She was a party of one. A god reborn. The skeleton court was throwing flowers and glitter as she made her way through the runway. She slammed the wooden door at the end of the corridor and stepped out of the rain. The music stopped and the ballroom disappeared. Behind her, the hospital doors closed back. A few worried patients were staring, while a couple of nurses quickly headed towards her. Her dress was gone as well, replaced by her hospital gown. She's back to reality. And she started to run. Less than an hour later, someone knocked on Lorette's door. Lorette turned around, slightly frightened. Who would come in such a weather? Weary, she pulled a strange dagger from her sleeve before opening the door to... Talia. Her granddaughter. Wet like a dog. It was impossible. The hospital was miles away. Nobody could have run that far that fast. But Lorette didn't think any of it. She brought her granddaughter into an embrace. Talia. Her granddaughter broke free, feigning regret. I don't have much time. You met him? Yes. Make the call now, I have to go. The head nodded and retreated to the living room. Talia quickly rushed to grab a change of clothes and a backpack. She was ready to go in less than two minutes, stronger with every second that passed. She'd never felt such power, and yet it was so familiar. In the other room she heard her grandmother hanging up the phone. Lorette joined her and embraced her one last time. Where will they take me? I don't know. But don't stop until you've reached Europe. Across the sea. Put an ocean between you and the church and it might be enough. You'll need this. Lorette handed Talia her blade. A large dagger carved from bone. Oh, I can use that. And Talia just smiled a little too wide and somewhere in there I saw my grandmother take a step back from me. It's time goodbye little witch
0: That is it for this week's episode, everybody. As always, thank you so much for listening. And thanks to Tammy and AJ for voicing the characters of Talia and the Baron Samdi. Thanks to Ross Bugden for the use of his soundtrack, New York 1924. And stay tuned for the next episode. In the meantime, I hope you all stay safe. Bye.